everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, sports director for SportsTalkFlorida.com. And with me, the Sunshine Boys themselves, Joe Henderson and Ira Kaufman. Gentlemen, we get ready for week five of the NFL football season. And uh, the three Florida teams are all looking to get better. Any thoughts on which game, uh, or I'm sorry, which team is is going to hit the win column this week? Well, uh, the difference between two and three and one and four is enormous. Mm -hmm. And from a Buck perspective, James, and they go into Charlotte Monday night, Mm -hmm. weather permitting, uh, they have a bye week after that, Jim, and, and some of these injured guys could come back like a Doug Martin, who makes mm-hmm. a big difference uh, after the bye week. So, look, it's a tall order. Joe, going into Carolina, the Panthers have owned the Bucks, I think, six in a row. Uh, but this is not the same Carolina team that went 15-1, and one. Joe. We don't know Cam Newton's status. Probably won't know it in, in, until Monday morning. Uh, and their defense isn't very good. And the one thing I've, I'm getting Jim out of the first uh, four weeks of the NFL season is, is the unpredictability, which is the greatness of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by that, I mean Carolina. Even Arizona won last night. They don't look particularly good. And then on the flip side, Joe, you got teams like the Vikings, the Rams, uh, who have come out of nowhere. Uh, overcoming injuries along the way. Uh, so I think the NFL has proven once again, Joe, that you you never quite got your finger on on, uh, on the way it's going to play out. Uh, I think more than other sports, it's got that unpredictability factor. I have my finger on how it's going to play out, uh, Ira. <laughs> and it's not going to play out well for the Bucks. Um, I'm sorry. They're just not a good football team. And you say Carolina um, doesn't have a very good defense so far, and that is true. Um, conversely, the Bucks really don't have a very good offense without Doug Martin. And um, I, I do not see Monday night ending well for the Bucks. Um, on the other hand, uh, keeping it in the Sunshine State, now the Jags are off this week after being in London last week. Uh, you've got the Dolphins at home uh, against uh, – not a very good Tennessee team. And um, as you mentioned correctly, uh, the difference between two and three and one and four in this league is massive. And uh, I think even with all the uncertainty and upheaval um, in South Florida this week because of uh, Hurricane Matthew, um, I think the Dolphins are going to be the two and three team after this week, and the Bucks are going to be the one and four team. Having Guys, said that, Jim. I said that, Jim, you know, it, it's a tall order for the Dolphins, even if if they win, as expected, uh, against the Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim, when you look at the wild card chase, and, and, you know, certainly there's no reason to think they're going to chase down uh, uh, New England to top the uh, AFC East. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're fighting for two spots there. And, Joe, you know the AFC North is brutal uh, with, with Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, uh, and a revived Baltimore team. And the AFC West. Is, is strong. Uh, so, you know, if I'm a Dolphin fan, Jim, I'm not feeling very good. And and, and a 14-point win against Tennessee isn't going to change that very much. 
they don't have any identity. Jim, there's no identity in, in South Florida. Nobody mm-hmm. knows what they are. The questions about Tannehill remain. The Dominican Sue's not making a big difference on the other side of the ball. Uh, Jim, there's problems in South Florida. They got a new coach, but they got the same old problems. Right. You know, here on the Sunshine Boys podcast um, on sportstalkflorida.com and Blog Talk Radio, I have a quick question for both you guys. I mean, look, there's been two or three teams that have had issues at running back, and it's seemingly they've pulled people off the street and they've come in and done a, a pretty decent job. What's the issue in Tampa that they can't find a back? I mean, obviously, you're not going to expect someone to be as good as Doug Martin, but there's nobody they can find that, you know, can muster up any kind of running game? Joe, I think the Apparently problem is up front. Joe, there's no holes. There's no holes. Guys are getting hit in the backfield. Uh, Joe, Doug Martin's forte, and he's really good at it, is making the first guy miss. He's very, very good at that. Uh, Charles Sims is not. Uh, most running backs uh, struggle with that if, if they get hit. Uh, Joe, before they get any momentum going, uh, you know, and, and can't get to that second level, Martin's very good at that. Uh, the line is, is doing an adequate job, Joe, in pass protection, but uh, they're not opening up many holes. It, it kind of looks like the running game from uh, from two years ago, which, which was abysmal, and it, it, it's really contributing to Jameis Winston's struggles, Joe. Well, absolutely, and and I'll I'll go a step further on that. Is is right now the Bucks have one guy uh, on the receiving core, uh, Mike Evans, that you're going to game plan and say, okay, we're going to take him away. Uh, we'll take our chances uh, with Adam Humphreys. We'll take our chances with Cameron Brait. Uh, we'll take our chances with Vincent Jackson. Um, if they beat us, we'll tip our cap to them, but they're not going to beat us. And they have not been able to do that so far. Now, last night in the uh, Arizona-San uh, Francisco game, we saw the value of a good running game. You saw David Johnson uh, gained over 150 yards, scored two touchdowns. And what that enabled Arizona to do uh, was overcome uh, not having Carson Palmer in the game. Uh, Drew Stanton, all right, he threw a couple touchdown passes. One of them, uh, Larry Fitzgerald, was so open, Ira, I think you could have hit him. Um, and But what that does is now the, the opposing teams have got to go, okay, we've got to stop uh, Johnson somehow because he's killing us, and that opens up uh, for the passing game. Now, Stanton didn't have very good stats last night. I think he had 11 completions, maybe a buck 25 in yards or something like that. But he threw a couple touchdown passes to uh, Larry Fitzgerald, who had a great night. Uh, but it all started with the run game. The Bucks don't have that. And until Doug Martin comes back, they're not going to have it. Period. Paragraph. What kind of offense does Dirk Cutter run? Is it like a West Coast? Is it like a, I mean, is there a variation of the offensive tree of great offensive minds out there that um, that he is a disciple of, or does he have kind of a variation of a, on a theme? I don't think it is West Coast-based, Joe, because the Bucks don't throw a lot of slants and crossing patterns that the 49ers were, were famous for, were, were, you know, with Rice taking a, a, a nine-yarder, a, a 40 yards, uh, and John Taylor. Uh, I don't see that from, from Dirk Cutter. Uh, 
he wants to throw the ball long, Jim. Uh, and in these past happy days of the NFL, I don't think that's a bad idea. As Joe points out, they only got one weapon to do that. Vincent Jackson's a, a shell of himself. I think the Bucks probably regret bringing him back this year. Um, Humphreys doesn't have much speed. Uh, there, there's not a lot of options to do the things that Cutter wants to do, Jim. Uh, but last year, having said all that, you know, they set a franchise record with 6,000 yards, and a big part of that was uh, the running threat, and then you got the play action off it. And, right. guys, nobody is respecting the play action anymore. And every time you look it up, and, and I just did the research uh, yesterday on the Broncos game, and especially against a team like Denver. Mm-hmm. So they were, they were in third and nine all, all afternoon against Denver. That's what the Broncos want. They'll chew you up in that situation. Just ask Cam Newton in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Bucks need third and two, guys. And, and they can't get it right now. They can't get it. That, I mean, that's that's a perfect analysis, Ira. And um, you ask what kind of offense uh, Dirk Cutter likes to run. I would say that uh, shades of Al Davis. He he loves the the vertical passing game. Mm-hmm. He loves taking deep shots. Uh, last year, um, Jameis Winston, especially as a rookie, had a fine season because they had the running threat. And they don't have that, so now everybody's asking, "What's wrong with Jameis Winston? What's, you know, what's he doing?" Well, he's trying to force some things um, uh, that aren't there, and I think he'll he'll get better at that. I know the uh, the offensive coordinator for the Bucks, Todd Monken, um, actually felt that he had to come out uh, earlier this week and defend uh, his quarterback, uh, his competitiveness, and and all of that stuff, and just he kind of put the finger on the people around him. And I, th- I think that's accurate. You don't, I, I'm not worried about um, Jameis Winston's long-term future. If he stays healthy, uh, he's going to be a terrific quarterback, but the bucks have got to get that, that kid some weapons uh, around him, or they're going to continue to be mediocre. And what that also does, uh, Ira, when, when they're constantly in, in third and eight, third and nine, uh, they're not going to convert those most of the time. Now your defense is going to get worn down. And we saw that happen last week against uh, Denver as well. We're going to step aside and take a break. I'm Jim Williams, your host from Sports Talk Florida, along with the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. We'll be right back after these words. Welcome back to the Sunshine Boys podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host, along with the Sunshine Boys themselves, Joe Henderson and Ira Kaufman. And Ira, I cut you off before. Why don't you continue your conversation about what Joe just said? This lack of options for Winston in the passing game, uh, Jim, it it, it also, uh, you know, is involved with the moving up to get Aguayo Mm-hmm. Kicker out of Florida State, who's struggling, much to the dismay of the general manager, Jason Light, who, who, who stuck his neck on the line for this kid. Uh, but Buck fans are wondering, you know, why they didn't take a wide receiver. Right, Joe, with that pick? Oh, um, absolutely. After, yeah, so so that that's like double jeopardy there, Jim. Aguayo's not getting the job done. Uh, last week he was no factor uh, either way. But... 
you know, maybe they could have picked up a speedy wide receiver, which, which would have helped Winston in, in this circumstance. Uh, so nothing's going right at the moment, Jim. They're on a three-game losing streak. It's amazing how things change in the NFL week to week because yep. Jim, Jameis Winston was, I believe, the NFC Offensive Player of the Week in the season opener. All yeah. was well. You know, four touchdowns against the Falcons. And as Joe points out, this 22-year-old kid is now taking the brunt of the criticism in Tampa, and I, I really don't think that's fair. You know, the other thing, too, just to put a bow on this, guys, that you're, you know, leading me to, to – if the offensive line isn't good and you don't have a running game and you basically have one receiver, then I'm pretty sure that Jameis Winston is going to get – beat up pretty badly, and that's the last thing you want of a, of a franchise quarterback in their second year. You know, uh, oh, the, Joe yeah, Cutter, and, and, and Go ahead. Uh, Joe, Joe Cutter is also doing some weird stuff. Um, let's not let him off the hook, Joe. A couple of weeks ago, uh, he screwed up his clock management. He didn't call timeout at a crucial uh, point in the game, and, and they were trying to uh, uh, drive for the winning score against the Rams. Uh, Last week, Jim, you probably don't know this, Jim, but uh, they were down 20 midway through the fourth quarter. 20. Mm -hmm. Ball was on the Denver 46, Mm -hmm. and it was fourth and six. Cutter punted. Cutter punted. Uh, When we asked him after the game, he bristled, and he said, if you saw our offense in the second half, why would anybody think we could make a fourth and six? Now, guys, that's blunt. That's the kind of Newt Rockney you really want, huh? (laughs) Uh, But, Joe, I would suggest people who thought they could make a fourth and six was Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, and an offensive line that was, you know, having to go up against Von Miller all day on on third and eight. Um, That was a bad message, Joe. Bad message. I I couldn't agree with you more. I know where he was coming from because if they had gone for fourth and sixth, they probably wouldn't have made it, but that's not how you play the game. You don't play the game negatively. And uh, you, you brought up uh, what I think is a great point, Ira, about the clock mismanagement at the end of the Rams game. The Bucks could have and should have won that game. And how much different would they look right now as a two and two team uh, he- heading to Carolina instead of a one and three team, and it's it's little things like that that have frankly been going on here for years with the Buccaneers. You know they they invent uh, creative ways to lose games, and and Dirk Cutter has talked about changing the culture around here, and that's that's a necessary thing. Tony Dungy was able to do that when he came in through patience and setting certain standards and sticking to them. Uh, that's not a bad blueprint, even though he's not the same kind of guy as Tony Dungy. If, if Cutter can, can be steady here during these tough times, remember Dungy started off 0-5. He was 1-8 uh, before uh, they finished yeah. strong that first year. I don't think anybody was thinking the Bucks were a, a playoff team this year or a Super Bowl team. Uh, maybe the cockeyed optimists were, but uh, realistically, they were—you know—people thought they were about a seven-win team. If they can, if they can approach that 
toward the end of this season and their schedule does lighten up a little bit in the second half, um, you know, then we'll, we'll call this a, a successful season and, and try to build on it. But uh, they're not going to really be much better until they get uh, some more options in, in the, uh, on offense. Cause right now uh, they are flopping around on the beach and it's not pretty. Hey guys, I got three games. I want to throw at you for some rapid fire uh, thoughts. Okay. Of um, to see what you think of these three games. So the three games that I kind of think might be the most entertaining three of the, um, of the weekend of course, the Bucks will be entertaining, I'm sure. But these are three games that will also be entertaining. How about, um, let's start, Joe, with the Bengals and the Cowboys. That, again, that's, it's, it's too early to start talking about must win. But that's an interesting game that the team that loses in that one is going to be in a bit of a pickle. Yeah, and uh, the Cowboys are, are playing well right now. Give them their due. Um, the uh, the Bengals are still trying to find their way. We talk about weapons in the passing game, and they've got A.J. Green, and the other guys are still trying to figure it out. Uh, but Vontez Perfect uh, was back last week on defense, made a huge difference uh, for the Bengals, and a lot of people are believing that he'll be the difference at Dallas. I think uh, if the Bengals are going to be who – they say they can be, and a lot of people expect them to be. They can and should win that football game. That's, um, Jim, good time for Burfick to uh, flex his, his muscles because, uh, as Joe knows, uh, there's not a better offensive line in football than the Dallas Cowboys. That is the strength of their team. Mm-hmm. Their defense is mediocre. Mm-hmm. They've got a first-year quarterback who's, who's playing very well. He's not making mistakes. But uh, Ezekiel Elliott is the real deal, and that line is the real deal. And it's going to be a test for the front seven on defense uh, of the Bengals because the Cowboys want to run the ball, Jim, control the clock, mm-hmm. uh, and, and keep Andy Dalton off the field. And so far, that formula is working for Dallas. Mm-hmm. It'll be fun to see how it works on uh, on Sunday. How about this was kind of a one that um... – Harkens back to the old AFL, and that is the Chargers going up to Oakland and playing. That to me, that that could be a very interesting game, specifically after you know the Raiders have been phenomenal on on the road, but they lost the game at home. No, Jim. Uh, much uh, much to your dismay, Lance Allworth is not playing. Jim, Lance Allworth will not be. In <laughs> I the like game. Lance Allworth. Uh, I love those Charger uniforms, Joe. The powder John, blue. John Hadel. John Hadel. Uh, Joe, what's interesting about this game, besides uh, the on-field matchup, is these two teams don't know their future. Joe, these are the two biggest headaches uh, at Park Avenue uh, in terms of uh, stadium issues. Uh, look, Joe, you've been to Oakland. Uh, oh, God. That, that, that stadium's a disaster. Uh, absolutely it's horrible. horrible. Uh, I believe this is the 50th year of what was called Oakland Coliseum, yeah. uh, where, where Darrell LaMonica, Jim, was throwing touchdowns to, to Bolitnikoff uh, in, in the mid to late 60s, mm-hmm. and it's still standing. Um, and the Chargers don't know what's going on. Um, they got a stadium uh, downtown proposal, which I believe is about to be rejected. 
mm-hmm. uh, in the next month. No, you know, nobody wants to pay for these stadiums, and uh, they don't know their future. So that's the backdrop, Joe, is these, these two AFL rivals uh, tangled. Well, the, the, the interesting thing about, uh, about this game is, I mean, they're both going to put up a lot of points. And the, uh, the Chargers seem to invent ways to lose. We talk about the Bucks, but, you know, uh, somebody said the other day, if the games were 58 minutes long, San Diego would be great. But uh, they, they, <laughs> they figure out ways to, uh, to not be great. Uh, interesting thing about Oakland is um, they've got a, uh, a, a resurgent Michael Crabtree is pulling in uh, catch after catch for them and has really become um, kind of what he used to be and what everybody thought he, that he was going to be one of the great receivers. Well, he's having a heck of a run uh, right now. And it's kind of overshadowed what I still feel is their number one guy, who is uh, Amari Cooper. And so, um, you know, uh, Derek Carr's got some some uh, some tantalizing options out there uh, to throw the football, and uh, I think that that game this weekend could just be a rollicking good time. Uh, lots of scoring. Uh, I think Oakland will win, and um, you know, it'd be nice if if you're into fantasy football to have some of those guys on your team uh, from either from either squad. No, well, Jim, I feel bad, uh, Jim, I feel bad for Philip Rivers. I, I think he deserves mm-hmm. better. He's a mm-hmm. heck of a competitor. Yep. Um, he doesn't have a lot of options. Keenan Allen, very good young receiver, out for the year, week one against Kansas City. And that game set the tone for the Chargers. Jim, they were kicking the Chiefs all over the field, find a way to lose that game. Uh, but Rivers is a warrior, guys. And uh, he's probably going to finish his career uh, you know, without too many playoff wins, and 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 you know, be lost in the uh, the the scrap heap of history, James. But uh, he's a heck of a quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me uh, let me throw another um, surprise stat at you from that game. Mm-hmm. Who is the NFL leader in touchdowns thus far this season? Scoring touchdowns. Scoring or Scoring throwing? Touchdowns. Scoring. Antonio Gates, Melvin Gordon. Oh, that was my forty-third pick. He uh, he is he has been uh, he's got six touchdowns so far. Wow. Uh, He has really been um, what the Chargers hoped he would be a year ago. He uh, by uh, by any uh, definition had a a disappointing rookie season. A lot of people wrote him off, but now he is playing like a first down back. And he's going to be a handful for uh, the Raiders to deal with. But uh, one good news for the uh, for the Chargers, their first round pick from this year, Joey Bosa, looks like he's going to be on the field finally yay, uh, yay. Sunday. Yay, Joey. So, uh, so maybe that uh, gives uh, the Chargers a little bit of a pass rush. Uh, I don't know. But uh, – just uh, people were surprised about Melvin Gordon. He's he's played very very well this year. Give him his due. Five points if you can tell me where the Chargers got their name. Oh boy, they stuck their fingers in a light socket. I don't know. Conrad Hilton, who owned the team in Los Angeles when they were starting the AFL, made a deal, or at least 
uh, handshake deal, which never came about, with Diners Club. And they were going to be the Los Angeles Superchargers. And it and they were going to have a tie-in to Diners Club. Well, that deal fell through, and so they dropped the Superchargers, and they just came out as the San Diego Chargers. Things, so it's unbelievable some of the stuff you know, Jim. Things, things that things that people could care less about. There you go, in mindless. One, <laughs> what's, one uh, last... what's your what's your third game, Jim? What's your That's, third? Game? I was about to get to it. The New York Football Giants. At the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field, uh, up against another Titan game between Clinton and and uh, Donald Trump. But I, we'll see how the uh, Giants and the Packers do at Lambeau Field. Joe, you, well, can, take, last, you can take that one, Joe. Well, the last time that I was uh, uh, at a New York Giants Green Bay Packer game in Lambeau Field was uh, what turned out to be Brett Favre's final game as a Packer, the uh, NFC Championship game several years ago mm-hmm. on a uh, just an absolutely freaking cold night. It was awful. The frozen uh, tundra. Oh my gosh. Uh, but uh, they are a hearty, hearty lot in Green Bay. I think Green Bay wins that game. Um, uh, I think the Giants maybe got a little bit exposed last week. Uh, I don't think uh, they're quite as good as maybe they looked early on. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers will, he's still, he could, he could quarterback my team. Let's put it that way. And uh, I think Green Bay is going to win that game. Ira? Well, Giants, uh, Jim, the Giants to me look uh, mediocre, which might be good enough to win the division. Uh, although the Eagles are surprising everybody. Uh, the pass rush, See, to me, the identity of the Giants over the years, certainly the the teams that beat uh, Brady in the Super Bowl, uh, was a fierce pass rush. And that's the way to beat Brady in in the postseason, as Denver just proved again last year. Uh, They don't have that anymore, Jim. Mm -hmm. That front four of the Giants, uh, Pierre Paul was a monster a few years ago. Now he's a shell of himself. Uh, And without that, their secondary is exposed. Eli Manning still good. Uh, Beckham's a knucklehead, gentlemen, an absolute knucklehead. <laughs> uh, Jim, I'm, I'm sending you a uh, a story for Sports Talk Florida today uh, about these uh, diva wide receivers. And Joe, I got to give you credit. AJ Green is not among them. He's not. There you go. Uh, so just because you're an elite wide receiver doesn't mean you you got to be a dummy uh, and act uh, act a fool. Uh, but, Jim, uh, Green Bay uh, is the better team. Uh, Jordy Nelson's back. Uh, Aaron Rodgers got uh, uh, got healthy uh, a few weeks ago, spreading the ball around, as he does. Joe's right. Packers should win this game. And you know what? If the Eagles win and the Giants lose, Jim, the, the Giants are three games behind the Eagles in the, in the loss column, uh, five games into the season. Very uh, That would be very daunting for Giants fans. Absolutely. Uh, hey, Jimbo, I can't believe you, you didn't bring up uh, Tom Brady's return uh, as a game to watch. Uh, uh, as if, as if Cleveland, uh, the Cleveland football Browns uh, 
Haven't had enough issues. I was about year. to say, haven't we beaten them up enough and it's only four games into the season? No. Oh, my gosh. Now you've got a guy who's uh, – oh, my goodness gracious. Um, but you know, uh, I, don't, I think that should be uh, a rated – you know, an MA rated game. I don't think that children should be able to watch that. You know, Jim, let me, let me throw one thing in about Brady. Maybe I'm off base here. Um mm-hmm. I think I'm going against the grain on this one a little bit, but you know, a lot of people are yakking about Brady, super motivated. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it was anybody else, guys, if it was anybody else, I could go along with that. But we've all watched Brady for 15 years, guys. His preparation, his mindset, his attitude—it uh, never changes from week to week. So, you know, to me. That suspension in terms of motivation, it's a non-issue for Tom mm-hmm. Brady. I've never seen a guy with that kind of a laser focus since uh, Michael Jordan took to the basketball court. Uh, Jim, the guy wants to kill you every week, and I don't care who he's playing. So uh, I'm, I'm downplaying this super motivation thing. Uh, I, I just uh, think Brady's Brady, and he's going to slice up Cleveland whether he was suspended or not. You've been listening to the Sunshine Boys podcast right here on SportstalkFlorida.com and Blog Talk Radio. I'm Jim Williams, your host. I hope you've enjoyed our conversation about the National Football League with the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson. Looking forward to seeing you next time on the Sunshine Boys podcast.